good morning, Journey. Go and stand. We're going to sing together. Worship our God. Feel free to sing, clap, listen. But don't just watch. Faithful in the storm, worthy in the empty spaces, worthy in my song. A thousand years of endless praise will never be enough. Through it all, my heart will cling to your unfailing love. Even if the drums stop beating, my soul.
pray. I want to read a verse to you. I'm not just looking at my phone on the stage for no reason. But Psalms 95, 1 through 6 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and his, in the heights of the mountains are his alone. The sea is, is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We're gonna pray, but as we get ready to pray, just something to keep at the forefront of our minds. I think so much of the time our, our, our uh, struggles, our, our issues, our stresses, our anxieties, things that are going on, our issues, all the problems, a lot of times seem bigger than our God. And this morning, just a reminder, sometimes it's nice to remember, to read a psalm and to remember that God holds it all in his hands. Therefore, your problem cannot be bigger than his hands. So whatever you bring to the table this morning, we serve a God who is invested in you and cares about your problem your struggles, your relationships, your finances, your futures, and all the other things that might cause us to be overwhelmed, anxious. So let's just pray. Father, this morning, we come with needs, asking questions, desiring to experience breakthrough in different areas. Father, I just pray that we would experience your peace, but that as we worship, our minds would not just be darkened by the heavy things that go on, but that we would be overwhelmed with gratitude for the things that you've already done, the ways that you have already proven faithful. God, you are worthy of our praise. Be with us as we continue singing. Be glorified in your name.
stand while you take a seat. My name is Bianca and I actually have the honor and privilege of sharing a giving message today. So um, I always like to do my giving message with stories because I'm a great storyteller. Um, and so the other night on Friday night, I, it was late at night and I decided to go outside and well in my garage and to wash some clothes, right? It's been a long week. I need to wash my clothes. So I go out there and I start the clothes and then as I walk back, I like see on underneath the door frame, there's like this wad of string. And I was like, what is that? Like, it was so weird. And then the wad of string moved a little bit and it was really even weirder. So I looked really close, well, not too, too, too close, but I looked and I was like, that is a spider. That is the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life and it's trying to get in my house. And so I began to have the fear of the Lord in me and I didn't have anything in my garage except for laundry things. I had one can of I think it was wasp spray. I have no idea. But I took that can and I, I stepped away and I started spraying for a full minute. I am a very dramatic person, but it was a minute. It was not less than a minute. A full minute, I, was, I think I killed the whole can. And I'm spraying it and this thing is like kind of curling up and then it continues, like it, then it like expands back out and starts walking. And I freaked out and I didn't know what else to do. So I found bleach and I just started like throwing bleach on the, the door. My whole garage smells like bleach. It's awful. And I think I killed it. So um, <laughs> so I, I like jumped over the threshold of the, the door and I went inside, locked the door, kept the dogs with me. And I thought, if I die, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. They're going to come after me. So the next morning, I, 
I texted Ty and I told him, I was like, oh my God, there was this huge spider and I threw bleach on it and he's like, why didn't you just smash it? And I was like, I'm not getting that close to it. Like it looked like a jumper. And he was like, but you got close enough to throw bleach on it? Like, how is that a thing? I was like, I tossed it. It kind of, you know, just tossed it. And um, all that to say, I started thinking, uh, I actually read this little, um, I think it's a poem. It's by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is like my favorite author. I love him so much. In heaven, he's going to be like my number one person I'm going to run to and be like, let's have coffee. Are we going to drink coffee in heaven? I don't know, but I will. And so I'm really excited to see him. And he has this little poem, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, it's called Nearer. It says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. And I love this quote, but it started making me think of our relationship with God and our relationship with church and how we come here and we hear all these things from a pastor who says, this is the beautiful life that God has intended for you. This is what he wants for you. And we think that we can actually acquire those things without getting closer to those things, without going into doing those things. And I think it's, it's funny because you would never tell somebody that they can get wet without going near water, right? That's silly. But a lot of times we want joy, we want peace, we want life without getting closer to the one who is all those things. So I started thinking about my spider thing and I thought, I needed to get closer to kill it. It may actually still be alive. I think it's just kind of like waiting it out and holding out until I have children and it kills off my bloodline. And so I like, I'm thinking about this poem that C.S. Lewis, I really just wanna encourage us as a church and today's actually the prime and beautiful day to do this because I have, I'm doing tithe and I'm also rostered to do the slides back there because we don't have enough people that are helping. We don't have enough help. And if that's on us because we're not reaching out to people who want to be helping, that's on us. But if it's on you and you feel like, you know what, I always say I want to be a part of the church. I want to be a part of something bigger, but I'm just not stepping close enough to it. Can I encourage you today? Go to the hotspot. Tell them, hey, I got time to help out. I can help on Sunday morning. You know what? If your time is not, you don't have time, you know what? I've got money that I'm going to pour into this ministry because I want to see the fruit of what God is doing, and I want that to be a part of my life. Can I encourage us today? If we want to get wet, let's get in the water. If we want to get warm, let's get right by the fire. Let's not stand away and then cry that we don't have these things that we want because we're not close enough to it. So what is your next step in this season? What is your step? Is it, you know what, God, you're challenging me to give a little bit more so I can financially support this church, financially support the things that they do? I connected online with one of our missionaries that we support, and they're just so pumped about the things that they see on our social media that we're doing here at church. They're praying for us as well. In this season, is it, you know what, I do have a little bit of extra time. I can get to church a little bit earlier, and I can help serve. I can greet somebody at the door. I can push a little space bar. I've done a pro presenter, you know, or, or a, what is it, PowerPoint, thank you. I've done a PowerPoint display before. I can push a button and make slides go when they need to go. I can do that. That's easy. What is it in this season that God is calling us to get a little bit closer to the fire, a little bit closer to the water, so that we can just immerse ourselves in everything that he is? Jesus's number one love is the church. He loves the church above everything else. It's his bride. So why wouldn't you want to be more in the church, more into what the church is doing? Because that's what God, that's the center of where God dwells, is in the midst of his church and his people. So as the ushers come forward,
There's a couple ways you can give this morning online or in person. We're going to have the ushers come forward. And you can text give to that number right there. And you can also get it. It'll come out however frequently you want it to. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, that you have given us this beautiful house to come to, Lord. God, I thank you that you call us deeper and deeper every single day, that it's you're always wanting us to get just a little bit closer to you, Father. So God, I pray that you would stir our hearts in the ways that we need to invest more in our relationship with you, invest more in our relationship with the people around us, God. We love you so much. We give you everything that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I get to do announcements with one Your of my favorite, favorite person. No, not favorite, but one of my favorites. Um, if you don't know, this is Chase Elmore. He is our amazing youth pastor who is here every Thursday night. So if you have teenagers that you just don't, you know, you want to break from, little break from, send them to Chase. Send he loves, loves hanging out with them on Thursday we'll nights. We'll take care of them. We, we do. We take care of them big time. So we've got a couple of announcements. First of all, if this is your first time here at Journey Church, we are so excited that you're here. We yes, actually we have a little gift for you in Yay. the hot spot, right? And it's not one of those gifts that we hand you and then we ask for all of your information so we can bug <laughs> you and call you. It's not that kind and of gift. And your credit card it's, information? No, yeah. we're not that type of people. Not that kind of gift. No, I mean, not today. Maybe some other time, <laughs> but not today. So if you want to, at the end of service, head on out to the hot spot, you'll be able to pick up that present. Perfect. Um, secondly, do we have any fifth and sixth graders in here? Woo! Oh, I love the clapping. So good. <laughs> fifth and sixth graders, you are dismissed. Thank dismissed. you so much for joining us during worship. We yep. love having our fifth and sixth graders here with us. Love it. Thirdly. I think, I think you got it. Wow. You got all <laughs> of it. If you've got a little one, so we talk about the fifth and sixth graders, but now we talk about the little babies. If you have a little one that gets a little fussy, Chase, if you get a little fussy during the service, you can head on back there. We've got a cry Thank room you. that you can actually see out here, but we can't see in there. And you can hear the whole service in there. Perfect. And we don't hear fussy babies. So Yeah. And great. also next week, I don't know if you guys know this, but Easter is already here. Yes. It is insane. I cannot believe it came so quickly. The so new quick. year felt like it was just a couple days ago, but I know. Lo and, behold. and it's Christmas in two weeks. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> but if you guys came out last Tuesday, thank you so much. Yeah. It was such a great time. We so had pizza, true. we painted, we talked, we pulled weeds. It was great. I cleaned like a couple of uh, walls. And then I just kind of chatted with people. I'm bad. I'll admit it. I don't like This my is own confession house. time. <laughs> Confession. Okay, it's like my therapy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we do have Easter invites for you guys. I brought one Dang. up on stage. Get it. They're very lovely, and this is what they look like. And on the back, they give the times and the location of our Easter service. So please be giving these out to friends, family, not friends, you know, anybody Randoms, you want to. Anybody. Random people. It's normal times, 9 and 10.30, and it'll be here at this building. So yes. make sure that you come, bring your friends and family, and yeah. These invites are at the hot spot, so grab as many as you'd like. We've got plenty to give around. Perfect. We just want to make sure everybody gets invited. Ladies tea? Ladies tea! You don't want to announce I, it? You've uh, got such pretty hair. Thank you. Um, so we have a ladies tea May 4th, 11 a.m. $10 per 
person. This is not something that you can just show up to. They're actually giving tickets before, so please cool. get those. We're giving announcements far enough in advance that you can get um, a ticket at the hot spot. It's going to be awesome. I went to one, the last one we had, and it was great. There was tea. I'll there was like little. It. Yeah, you you might have liked it. I don't know, but there's like little treats. It's going to be a great time for our ladies. We love women. We love to gather around. We love to eat. We love to chat. That's what you'll get to Perfect do. time. So I think our music is done. And that means... We're done. That we're done. And it's time for us to greet one another. So if you want to stand on up, find somebody next to you, shake their hand, give them a hug, Whatever. give them a high five. Done. <laughs> concur with what they were saying a moment ago <clears throat> Easter is next Sunday I mean it is here spring is on us and we have some exciting stuff man come a little early it's gonna be packed and you'll want to get a seat plus we have something that starts a little bit about five till a little special something next Sunday so be here for that and and also for those of you who worked Tuesday thank you so much you might um, you might have noticed place looks a little bit cleaner weeds are uh, down um, if you happen to notice there are still some weeds we worked all the way from here and around and to the front of the other building two doors down and Then we kind of ran out of light So if you see some things that still need to be done guess what we have a whole week for you to show up any day You want and finish it off. Just bring your own gloves and tools and uh, we'll we'll appreciate it We we need your help. So if you'd like to swing by pull a few weeds finish up. We would appreciate it so this is the conclusion of our series and today, I'm really excited about this topic because, to be honest, um, I'm a little concerned about our world. I'm a little concerned about the way we're doing life, or actually, the way we're wasting or losing life. Because I see a whole lot of people living, I don't see a whole lot of people living well. I don't see a whole lot of people happy and fulfilled and with a sense of joy and anticipation, getting up and thinking, man, this is a great day. I mean, myself included. I feel like we could do life better. I feel like life is like a blizzard sometimes. And the storms hit and they hit hard and it's hard sometimes to find our way. As a matter of fact, a few of us have a rope. This, this is from The Hidden Wholeness, a book by Parker Palmer. And he tells a story about farmers in the Midwest who, during blizzards, during the winter times, they try to get from their homes to their barns. And what happened is so many times that the guys, there were, the blizzards were so intense that they literally, with the winds and the, the ice and everything blowing, they couldn't see the end of their own hand. Because it's so intense that guys would get lost between their back 
door and their barn. Or trying to come in from the barn back to their homes, they get lost. And dozens of people were dying within feet of, they wander around in circles, bigger and bigger, just trying to find their way and they end up freezing to death because they couldn't find their way back home. And this was a ridiculous thing that is like meteorologists were basically saying for parts of Canada and Great Plains, they were warning people to tie one end of rope to the back door or to the porch and hold on tightly to the other or just pull a line clear across because it's so easy during the blizzards to get lost. Because in the blizzard, you need a rope. You need a way home. And this is what I find in we are living in a blizzard. And if you want to look at it politically, if you want to look at, look at it morally, if you want to look at it spiritually, if you just want to look at it personally, we're living in a blizzard where if you read the news, and I've been such an avid reader to just keep tabs on where the world is, that honestly, I, I had to delete all my news apps one time you know, in the early part of last year because it was just so depressing and it you know, kind of just kind of saps the joy when you just realize, man, the world is a mess. And you look at the gas prices and the ridiculous things going on in our political world and you just kind of feel like, what is going on? And, and add to that, you got the preoccupation with all your chores, all that you have to do, and your finances. When is there ever enough, right? And the family commitments and the work requirements and everybody's demands. And then there's demands you put on yourself. I mean, you want to look a certain way, right? You want to live a certain way. You want to feel a certain way. You want to behave and you, you want to get your life in a certain way. And so we cram every possible thing into every square inch of our lives and then we want to live well. And what we find is we have created, in some ways, a blizzard for ourselves in the way we've committed and overcommitted our time. We're so busy and we feel guilty when we're not doing something, when we just like it's wasteful and unproductive just to sit around and to rest. And so we end up living these unfulfilled, crazy lives, and we wonder, where is the life Jesus talked about? When he said life to the full, well, what does that mean in the 21st century in a crazy world like we have? And how do you really step into that? I mean, really. Not talking about theoretically where the pastor talks about how somebody one time back in the day lived this. I mean, like right now, how do I live a full and joy-filled life? Not full, just full of stuff. Full-filled. Like, like life-giving. Like energizing to where you have some left over, to where you're not so depleted that it's like you're draining the reserves of your reserves. Kind of like that, you know, that tank on motorcycles, you know, when you get out, you run, you're so grateful that you have a reserve. You know, you, you turn the knob a little bit further and you got a reserve and you're just like so grateful for that. Well, it's like we've run out of our reserve. So then you have the storms and the trials that just kind of show up and they disorient you. This kind of unexpected and you wonder why, man. Why is life so hard? We need a rope. We need a way back to the source of life. We need a, we need a way home. And that is what we're talking about today. And that's where we're going to go in the next few minutes. Because um, what I've discovered in this journey that I've been on for the last several months, actually it was about a year ago now, <clears throat> that um, 
I started having symptoms of whatever the fatigue and the weakness and just some fevers and just feeling really, really crummy and weak all the time. And physical exertion just seemed to drain me faster than usual. That's when I began to feel like there was something wrong. But I didn't find out for months what it actually was. And what I discovered in my recovery from the health crisis that I had this past year, and it's still ongoing, my liver is still trying to recover, and I'm still really, really slow about getting energy back, it's, it's what I've discovered is there's a whole new way of living out there that isn't actually some radical, unbelievable thing that nobody can do. This was something God wove into. He has woven it into the way we're made. And it's kind of like a rhythm. It's like a cadence when you get into it and you get your life back on that rhythm. It kind of recenters you in a way that you can live sustainably. You can live more joyfully. And I'm just unpacking it. And I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert at it because I have my days. I have my moments when I'm like, this life is insane. I can't wait to get off this planet. And then there are other days. And I want to talk to you about some of those other days. Because what I'm talking about today is God who's offered us a rope to keep us from getting lost, and it's a rope that gets us back home. It's an ancient discipline that goes back thousands of years, actually to the very beginning of our creation. It's called Sabbath. Sabbath. And I know you might have been thinking it was something else, like a quick, you know, like a pill you could take, or, you know, something you could pick up at the hot spot on your way out, a cookie or whatever. And by the way, what you get if you're a guest, yeah, they're really tasty. So, this is what I want to talk about today. Inside modern-day Christianity, there's this movement of returning to the ancient disciplines that actually gave people life. Things that were part of the rhythm of the early movement of Jesus' followers that they found so much health and strength and vitality in that it gave them the capacity to go into all the world and preach the gospel and continue to live lives full of joy. In their crazy world that they lived in, which looks a whole lot like our world, 21st century, kind of looks a lot like first century Rome, this is a way of living that is kind of like, it's a powerful declaration of what we believe. What we believe, the story we're in, really is. Because if you just get up and you do your eight or 10, and you come home, you slam some food down, watch a little Netflix, get ready for bed, start it over again, and you do this long enough, you begin to realize that, man, I'm not really living. I'm existing. Is this all there is? And there's got to be a new, this is a silent, it's kind of a, not only a declaration, um, it's almost a resistance against modern man's pursuit of everything at all times. And what it is, this is a resetting of our entire lives toward a new destination, towards God. It's putting the center of the story back in the center so that everything else makes sense. And so this is what we really have to choose to believe by living it, not by saying it. The new way of being in the world that is actually one of the oldest ways of being of all. So the Sabbath, it's that rope that leads us back to God in our blizzards. When done right, it's not a have to, it's a want to. And this is what's changing for me because I grew up in a culture of doing because really it, it was my interpretation perhaps, but it was you do right because if not, you're going to tick God off and he holds the keys of heaven and hell and he's the one that decides. Make him mad, guess where you're going. 
And it was so real to us because we were kind of dangled over it weekly. You know, we felt like I was always in fear of going to hell. This is something that the people of Jesus no longer have to fear hell. He's done all the work on the cross. We'll talk about that next week. But what he's done is he's unleashed life. He didn't just conquer death. He unleashed life. And he's invited us into this way of living that is truly powerful, revolutionary. And this discipline is something that is going to change your life. So many great disciplines. You know them. Probably Bible reading, prayer, fasting, meditation, scripture memory. Um, There's retreats. There's like solitude. There's all these different things that are super, super helpful in disciplines of how to live. But there's this other one. There's this ancient one. There's this one that is so powerful that it it has the ability to reorient your life all by itself. It's called Sabbath. And it offers a rhythm that's powerful enough to anchor you, to renew you. And whatever blizzard you're going through, it can bring you back home. And, And this is it. At the heart of the Sabbath is this idea of stopping to surrender to God. It's stopping to surrender to God in trust. Basically, it's saying to God, I trust you. You've got this. You've got me. So we're going to go back to the very beginning, where it all began. Genesis chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you want to turn there. We're going to be in Genesis 1.1. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse, we're going to jump down to verse 31. God saw all that he had made. So he goes through the whole creation process. He saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Or or, or there was time, basically. There was evening and morning. So he's like, he established time and the sixth day. So in the story, God's hard at work creating everything. All the galaxies and the stars and the moon and the beauty and the sky. And then he comes and he's creating earth. And he creates basically oceans and deserts and wilderness and plants and and then he comes to animal life and birds and the things in the sea and then he comes to his magnum opus his final created act where he makes mankind in his own image the image bearers of the of the great god and it's interesting that in the ancient gods you know the realm of the gods in the roman world that they believed that the creation was the the last thing that they did that when they made their temples to their gods, was they would put the image of their god in the temple. That was the the final thing. And it's kind of interesting that in the beginning, God put the image of himself in his creation, the temple of his world. It's us. He made us as his final act, and he put us in there. He set us there, and he creates us over all the world to rule his new world. In six days, he did it all. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You may have a pretty great week, but think about that. Create all that in six days and just, you know, think about Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he had rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested. Let that sink in for a minute. God rested. 
man, rest. And you think about that, for six days of universe making, at the end of it, God said, that's enough. Enough is enough. It's time for a day off. Isn't that funny? I mean, God took a day off. I mean, God, he rested. In the Hebrew, that word is Shabbat. Basically, it's the word where we get Sabbath. And it means to rest, to cease, to be done. And the idea here is not that God was worn out, that God was like, whew, I'm so tired. Man, that last universe, I mean, that was really, it wasn't like God was tired. The idea is that God basically, it's kind of like at the end of the day, when you finish some major accomplishment, you sit down, you pull up a chair, you pop a cold one, and you just look over what you've done, and you feel so good. Like yesterday, we did a whole bunch of weeding, and we were working up, and we set up a little playhouse that we got off, you know, offer up, for, you know, for my grand boy, and it's just my, and we basically sat at the end, and I lips, I stood back, and I'm looking, I'm like, it's that feeling of like, ah. Oh. And, and with God, it's kind of that feeling of when you know you're good at something, and you've done it, and you look at it, and you're like, oh man, that feeds me, that, that's so good. That's what God is saying. In fact, the word Shabbat can also be translated to celebrate. To celebrate. The, the idea here is that God took an entire day to celebrate all that he had done. And, and basically, it's to enjoy, to delight in all that he had made. I love this. Oceans, mountains, sunrises and sunsets, the smell of the flowers, the beauty of the poppies went out there yesterday too. And wow, popping poppies. My gosh, have you been out there? The poppy preserve is like, unbelievable and God took a look at all he'd made and he grew in his delight he celebrated it delighted God so in the story God worked for six days then he rested and in doing so he built a rhythm into the fabric fabric of everything he made into creation itself he built this rhythm we work 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 rest it's kind of like the drum cadence, you know, dun, 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 rest, dun, 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 rest. It's basically like music. Without rests, you don't have music. You have noise. Music is all about the space in between. It's all about the placement of the notes and the rest in the music. And that's how God made the world. As human beings made in the image of God, six days we work. And then, just like God... We rest. And notice two things from the story. First, God blessed the Sabbath. I love this idea. Guess what God blesses in the scriptures? He blesses three things in creation. First of all, he blesses animals, human beings, and then the Sabbath. With animals and human beings, the blessing is the life-giving ability to procreate, to make more life. Right? That's what he said. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, he told the animals. And then in the second paragraph, he t we, we learn that God blessed Adam and Eve, or mankind, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then third, we read that God blessed, same word, blessed the Sabbath. What does that mean? The Sabbath has the life-giving ability to replenish the earth. I mean, it's blessed. Three things God blessed in creation. One of them was that seventh day because it has the ability, when observed, like God observed it, to bring life back to life. It's powerful. Because life is tiring, right? It's exhausting. 
I mean, even if you have the dream job and you're killing it and, I mean, your bank account's full and, and you have that great car and that great house and everything is all, even then, if everything is going well, life is tiring, right? I mean, you get to the end of your day, I mean, you're done, you're worn down, you're tired because no matter how much you love it, work drains your battery, right? It expends energy. But rest, on the other hand, refills your tank, replenishes your energy. And it's given vitality and creativity and vision and a sense of well-being. All of these come from rest. And rest refills you with, with life because rest is life-giving. And why is that? Because God blessed it. He blessed it. And he called it the Sabbath, the day of renewal, of health of joy. Next thing we notice, that not only God blessed the seventh day, but then he made it holy. He made it holy. It's, and rabbis talk about this idea of the principle of first mention, which basically they would say that when you find a word in the scriptures the first time, it kind of sets the idea and understanding of what that word means in the rest of the text. So in other words, it's kind of like the definition of the word. So when you find a word like, you know, you find a word like... Um, We'll say holy. Holy. Did you know that the word holy is first found right here? This is the first mention of the word holy. And God took the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's the first time. And what it means, it's fascinating. What does God make holy? Time, right? Rest, basically, but time. Which is really weird in the first, I mean, it would be fascinating to people in the, in the, the, the first century Near East or in the ancient Near East because what they believed about their gods, their gods were found not in time, but in space, in a place, in a location. So for them, if their god was to be found, it was to be found in a temple, or in a sacred stream, or on a mountain, or in a cave, or at a shrine, or something like that. They had to find their gods in a location. And if you lived in that time, and you read the Genesis account for the first time, you would think, wow, after six days of hard work, the creator... Yahweh, the maker of everything, would make his holy temple, he would make a holy mountain, he would make a holy pool, but instead it says God made a holy day, a holiday we call them, a holy day. He made a day. Abraham Joshua Heschel, he has a short book on the Sabbath where he writes, the Sabbaths are our great cathedral. They're our meeting place with God. Not a place, but a time. Our God is a God of all things, place and time. He calls us to come on a day. So there's a day that's blessed with life-giving ability. It's the ability to give us rest and renewal and all this, and he calls it holy. And this is a day where God gets our entire attention, where God has our heart, where we resync our life to the harmony of God. It's when we step back into the cadence of how God has made the world, when we get back in the rhythm of our maker and we tune our hearts to the heartbeat of God and we just basically renew ourselves. It's so powerful. Sabbath is a day when we're fully aware, aware of and awake to the people in our world, like our family particularly and very close friends. Sabbath is a day when we feast and celebrate we remember that the world goes on without us. It's a day when we shut off our electronics and we put away our computers and our phones or whatever it is that you're tethered to that keeps you going and going and going and going. 
You're not the Energizer Bunny, and even that bunny dies when the battery goes down. And you feel like you're on this rat race. Well, the scripture says, then come away. Rest. Step into a new story. And believe me, this is an interesting point because in this story, you're not the main character. It's not all up to you. You can turn it over to God. And as the Sabbath stands, it's an invitation from Yahweh, from the Creator, to join Him back in the real world. We think this is the real world because it's the story we're living in. We think the American West has the basic uh, corner on the market when it comes to defining what reality is and how we should live. So we step into the rhythm of our culture instead of the rhythm of our God, and we find it weird that we're out of sync and out of breath and out of life. God says, it's an invitation. Come back home. Grab the rope. Find me. If we don't take God's invitation to actually rest, we don't get right with our rhythms in the way God made us, we pay the penalty. And study after study, as I was reading this week, study after study after study talks about the need for the human body to take a Sabbath day or a seventh day, a rest. It's psychologically, physiologically a reality for the human body. It's a need. And when you fight that rhythm, you're basically, it's embedded in creation and you reap the incredible painful results. You become emotionally unhealthy, you become fatigued and exhausted. Your immune system depletes, which I think is probably what happened with me. Your mind is lethargic, you're not as sharp, you're a little anxious, you're worn out, you feel empty. Maybe even disconnected from God himself, it depends on you, but these are results of life without Sabbath. Which is why the story goes on, we actually see God command the Sabbath. Later on, Exodus 16, we kind of fast forward to in the story. And what we find here, and we're going to be in Exodus 16, God actually commands his people. Now, he brings them out of slavery. They've been 400 years slaves in Egypt. And this means that they have been basically 24-7, literally, on demand as servants in households and in fields and in palaces and everywhere else. They were slaves. They had no rights to their own time. So when they came out of this, their culture knew nothing of rest, knew nothing of replenishment. All they knew was work, 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 grind, 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 go, 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 do, do, do. So God takes them out into the wilderness where they're forced to rely on God. I mean, they didn't even have basic food and water, and there were hundreds of thousands, if not a million plus of these people wandering in the wilderness, and then they turn and they have to, they start grumbling and complaining. They're anything but happy. They are certainly not the healthy me. Exodus 16, then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. So basically God was saying, listen, I know what you're, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. This is all part of the plan for you to know you are not dependent on Pharaoh. You're not dependent on your slave owners. You're not dependent even on your own efforts. You are dependent on me. And not only that, I'm crazy about you. I love you. 
you're my people, and I'm going to provide for everything you need, but I, I need you to get your attention over here. It's not about you. It's not about the circumstance. It's not about where you live. It's not about how harsh the conditions are. It's not about who's chasing you. It's not about what comes next. It's not about planning out your future. It's about learning to grab hold of me and trust. So that evening, quail came down, covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp, and when the dew was gone, thin flakes, frosted flakes, oh, it didn't say that, thin flakes of frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. I love this. They look around, and they see this stuff on the ground. It's like these flakes, like these little cakes all over that cover the ground, and they said to each other, manna, that's literally what they said in Hebrew. <clears throat> they said manna because, I mean, what's a better name than what the heck is it? So that's what they called it. What is it? <clears throat> and so, hey, pass me the what is it? And this, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. <clears throat> Sorry, they grew two, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is, the, is to be a day of Sabbath rest. And then listen, a holy day, a holy Sabbath to the Lord, Yahweh. Notice the language. A holy Sabbath to Yahweh. <clears throat> Again, holy Holy, that word means dedicated to. It means something special. It means separated. It means different. It's kind of like when you cut a piece of you know, steak and like, hey, this is set apart. This is going to be for this birthday or this, this thing over here. Don't touch this in the fridge. This is for tomorrow's birthday party or whatever. This is something special, set apart. So the Sabbath is a day that's special. It's set apart from all the other days. It's holy, dedicated to God himself. Not only a day for rest, but it's a day for worship. Now, this is a fun, this is an easy way. It's kind of, you run everything through this little grid of is it holy? Is it, is it delightful? Is it worshipful? Does it honor God? Does it recharge me? That's a great little grid to run things through when you're, for you're talking about your Sabbath. <clears throat> if the answer is yes, I mean, it's, it brings me rest and delight and it, and it brings God joy, then do it. If it's like maybe or I don't know, or if it's like, hey, there's some pretty you know, gnarly stuff in that video. Maybe we shouldn't watch that Netflix show. You know, this is probably not the day for that. And it's like, if you don't know, then it's like, no, um, then put it off. Don't do it or use it on a different day. But the Sabbath is not the same thing as every other day. And catch this, the Sabbath is not the same thing as a day off. This is where, I mean, the day off is an American tradition, right? Everybody wants a day off, and what is a day off? Basically, with a day off, you don't work for your employer, but you work, right? <clears throat> you run errands, you pay bills, you get caught up around the house, you do yard work, you do all those things. For me, it's like work on cars or whatever. You do all those things that you wouldn't do on your normal work days. You just do it all on that day. Then you go shopping. You hit your Costco or your Sam's Club or your Trader Joe's or your mall or whatever, and you gather, you buy stuff. The American tradition is this idea of I use my day off for other work I didn't do on the other days, not a Sabbath. So the Sabbath is like gearing up all week long for this special holy day, a day set apart for literally no work. It's for rest. 
We read on in Exodus 16, 24 for more definition. God continues. So they saved it until morning. What's that? The, oh, what is that? They saved the, what is that, for morning, as Moses commanded. And it didn't stink or get maggots in it. That's always good with breakfast. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You'll not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you were to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Isn't that weird that it just, all six days of the week, it was on the ground, and then one day a week, it wasn't? I mean, that's just another provision, another way of God saying, I got this, right? <clears throat> so some of them went out, and they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Man, you might want to underline that. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. <clears throat> Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one does to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Two specific thoughts. Verse 28. How long will re you refuse to keep my commandments? And then the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So Sabbath is both a command and a gift. In this passage, it's a command and it's a gift. Some of you may be thinking, but Dave, we're not under the old covenant. We're, Jesus has fulfilled all the covenant. We're like, you know, we're free from the Old Testament covenant commands. And we're, and in a literal sense, you're right. Jesus has fulfilled the requirements of the law. He has met the requirements of God. And there are things in the New Testament that he talks about we are to live into because we're followers of Jesus. And he gives us new commands to follow. And the Sabbath is not mentioned in the New Testament as far as commandment. It's not a commandment. It's not a have to. It's a get to. It's not a must. It's a you really should. This is not something that God commands because it was woven into the way we were made. It's something he invites us into. Jesus continually finds the Sabbath as God's day of replenishing. And Jesus, I find it very interesting, did most of his miracles on the Sabbath as a way of saying God's still doing life-giving work on the Sabbath. And I invite you into it. This is interesting, <clears throat> that even though it's not a command in the New Testament, it is always a gift. And as everything else God gave us in the Ten Commandments, and by the way, if you read the Ten Commandments, you read all those commandments right up to it, you'll find that the Sabbath commandment gets more real estate in the commandments than any other one of the commandments, of all the other nine. He gives more definition, more description, and gives more detail of that than any of the other ten commandments. There's no command to sleep eight hours a day. You don't have to. You want to sleep four? Great. You might be physically and emotionally wasted, but there's not a command to do that, and you're welcome to try it. I feel sorry for your spouse or the people you live with. However, God's not mad at you. It's not a sin if you sleep less. It's just the way you're made. God, God he doesn't command that you drink 20 cups of coffee today. All right? <clears throat> you can. Go ahead. It's not a sin. It's stupid, but it's not a sin. So there's a rhythm and there's a way in which doing life can, it can increase your life or decrease your life. So maybe two or three cups and depending on you, maybe five cups a day, it's, it's up to you, whatever the number is for you. The point is, even the Sabbath, it's, even though it's not a command, <clears throat> it's a gift. And it's built into the rhythm of how you are made. 
And when you do it and you do it well, it brings life. To this very day, it's life-giving. So I'm going to give you four practices of this biblical Sabbath <clears throat> that we just covered. First of all, a reminder. First, stop. Stop. To stop is built into the literal meaning of Sabbath. It means to stop and rest. I don't know about you, but I need this. I have never been good at doing this. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> of all the Old Testament <clears throat> kind of commandments, this is the one I violated weekly for probably 90% of my life. I have never been good at resting, and it's a incredibly Herculean task for me to still my mind and to do nothing of work. I don't know why. It's just the way I'm wired, and it's the way I think. And it's not only that. I just feel like I was born behind, and I'm trying to catch up. Never can get enough done. So on the Sabbath, I literally embrace my limits that God is God, and he is in charge, and I'm not. And folks, can I just tell you, this has been... In my recovery, in my health recovery, this has been the single greatest discovery I've made. And for the last several months, this has been the most life-giving, <clears throat> excuse me, the most life-giving thing I have learned. And I am practicing, and I'm sorry to say it took me this long to do it, <clears throat> but I am practicing this ruthlessly because I am literally learning to retune my heart to the rhythms of God and the rhythms of how I'm made. And it is changing my life. I'm inviting you into this, not because I want to guilt you to give you something more to do. It's because I want you to have life to the full. And you're not getting it if you're not resting. <clears throat> life never completely slows down. Oh, when the kids are grown. Oh, when I get this job or when I get that raise or when this thing happens, when soccer's over, whatever. Whatever, it never slows down all the way till you're dead. Ultimately, we'll die, and, and there'll be tons of unfinished product, pro projects that we'll have, and somebody else will have to pick it up and deal with it. And guess what? It's a choice. It's just a choice. You just have to decide. It's like giving or anything else. You have to discipline yourself to get in the rhythm of contributing to the work of God or to the ways of God or the life of God and the way God designed it, and it just works. It's his universe. He made it this way. That's why he said, be, be still and know I'm God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. When it comes to stopping for the Sabbath, it's an issue of trust. <clears throat> Stop. Rest. It's all about rest. You've got to rest. What do we replace all the things we're stopping doing? Well, you replace it with joy. You replace it with long walks, watching sunrises or whatever, sleeping in. You take... You, for me, it's basically, <clears throat> it starts kind of the evening before when I just kind of gear up and get into it. The, the Jewish Sabbath began the, when dark came the night before, and it went till you know, sundown on the, the day of. And basically, it's just preparing for rest, and then through the whole day, it's just doing things that you find joy in. Taking walks, taking a drive, spending time with family, eating out, just basically enjoying yourself without finding yourself and your meaning in work. It's worship. Remembering that God, it's holy to the Lord. It's focusing on the love. When I think of worship, you know, people think of that as some kind of a posture thing. It's not. It's just sitting for me. It's sitting in the swing that overlooks, you know, the area around my house and just taking deep breaths and just saying, thanks, God. Thank you. I mean, this is incredible. Look at this spring. Look at the life. Look at the green. Look at all of this. I'm, and God, it's so good. 
It's so good just to still my heart. Worship for me is not just some horribly difficult, challenging task. It's a joy just to sit with God in his creation and recognize that he's done it and who he is, and that's worship to me. And finally, it's celebrating. It's woven into, he said it was very good. It was blessed. That means celebrate, and I love that. It's a radical departure from the world we live in. When we find ourselves able to just relax, and I want to invite you into a, a practice of Sabbath. I want to invite you into finding a day when you just set everything else aside, and as the band comes right now, I just want to invite you into a moment because what I find is my moments during the week and my worship and my prayer times and the things I do during the week are now an outflow of my Sabbath. I find myself replenished. I found myself with new strength and just sometimes you got to get away for a little time. Maybe it's just driving somewhere. Maybe it's just being with a certain someone. Maybe it's being away from a certain someone. Whatever it is, your Sabbath is your chance to step back into the rhythms of God, take the rope through the blizzard and find your way back home, to let your life be renewed in the ways of God and the rhythms of God so that you can live this life well. As we close this series out, I hope that you've read the book. I hope that you have the book. I hope that you finished the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you're not in a life group, that's okay. We're going to open some new ones, but we want you basically just to step into the life that is the fullest. That's the whole point of this. I want you to discover that you were made in the image of God and you were made on purpose and you were made with incredible, incredible capacity. And yet if you abuse that capacity, if you, if you misunderstand it, if you step into a rhythm that is not the rhythms of God, if you commit your love and your affections to other things, you will find yourself living less of the life you were intended. So I want to invite you to take a moment, just reflect on your day on your week, on your life. I'd like you to bow your head and just, excuse me, in a moment of reflection, just take a deep breath. Just let it out. Just slow down. Just step in. Just recognize and identify the tensions and the fears and the struggles and the worries that are going on. And if this is your day of rest, then just give them to God. God, as we pause for a moment, we joyfully, with anticipation, move you back into the center. And we, we anchor our rope to you. And I pray that the Sabbath and these practices we've discussed would become ropes back to a meaningful, centered life a joy-filled life, a fulfilling life, a life-giving life. In this moment of quiet, Lord, as we reflect, that you would just speak to us, call to us, whisper to us about the life you have offered that stands right now on offer to all people who would surrender fully, turn from their way of living to yours and trust Jesus. This day, Lord God, for each of us, we need you in a different way, but we need you now. Pray that you would draw us into that presence of joy and celebration and healing and rest. Pray that you would teach us the rhythms of life that bring us joy. And I pray this would be a season of renewal, of discovery, of recentering for all of us. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Stand with me, folks. Don't forget, next Sunday, Easter, be here with a friend. Pick up your guest uh, invitations out there, and we'll see you next Sunday. Let's pray and worship.
praying that this is a week of Sabbath rest, that this starts a new way of living, a new way of doing life. Watched my family go through this and struggle, even in church, to focus on a day, a full day of making it an intentional time to refresh, to restore, to renew, and to center in on God. And in doing so, it allows us to live lives to the fullest. We look forward to seeing you guys next week for Easter. Bring your friends. We will be excited to have you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next time.